0: I would look at if I was a company as to where is the value going to be? Because you, you almost mentioned there's a lot of different companies and some are very much technolo- or technology driven, meaning they have yes. a lot of investment in technology and others are even a dropship company or a brand company or services company. They may be just the opposite. They operate almost inter- entirely on brand and that's what it is. So I think before you decide whether you go for patents or trademarks, or whatever, you need to say, what is the company? Where is the value? Is it? the product we're making is it the device we're selling is it the technology we're creating is it the brand we're doing and then once you identify which one you do then that's where you invest your money for intellectual property is based on which one is the most important to protect
1: hello dreamers and action takers welcome to another episode of want money got money i'm your host sam kamani today i'm interviewing devin miller who is an entrepreneur founder and owns his own law firm his law firm specializes in helping startups protect their intellectual property, their IP. In this episode, he shares why and when you should look at protecting your IP and what should you protect in an early stage startup. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Devon. It's great to have you here.
0: Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
1: That's great. So for some of our audience who still doesn't know you, can you tell us about what you do, the what you are up to these days?
0: Yeah, and that's a much more loaded question, but I'll try and keep it in a reasonable response. So or my primary focus or one of my primary focuses, I'll probably put it as one out because I have a few, is uh, Miller IP Law. So that is a firm that I started a couple of years ago. It's a patent and trademark law firm. So we really focus on helping startups and small businesses with patents and trademarks, so this is a quick summary. Patents help you protect an invention. Trademarks help you protect a brand. So that's kind of what we do as a quick background. I have four degrees as far as education. So I got an degree in electrical engineering, Mandarin Chinese, an MBA, Master's of Business Administration, and then a law degree. And then kind of, I also like to be wow. a bit of an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I have started a few bit different businesses. Some of us are still small. Others I've grown to seven and eight figure businesses. So that's a very much me in a nutshell. But a lot of it, or a lot of it is also, you can see uh, Miller IP law where we do a lot of uh, patents and trademarks.
1: Yeah, I had a look at your website. Very like super impressive. What I really liked about is that you offer startups where budget is generally really tight, you offer them a fixed price. And it is it is so reasonable. I was just so surprised. Having run and sold my own businesses where I've Owned trademarks and other some other IP and having dealt in some Asian countries and in the US market, it was a lot more expensive than that. So I was like pleasantly surprised to to come across your your brand and come across your company how did you get started in the, in your business? Did you just one day wake up and say, Oh, look, I'm not going to, after having all these degrees and all this education, I'm not going to work for someone. I'm going to start my own.
0: (laughs) Uh, It would honestly depend on which. kind. So I've always been, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, at least do businesses and startups always kind of had that desire and degree. So early, I'll give you a few answers to what is a simple question. Earliest thing is so I got to the end of my first two degrees, which was undergraduate Chinese electrical engineering. I kind of hit a crossroads where I had a portion of me that wanted to go into business, and that was where the MBA came in, and I wanted to do startups and business and that type of thing. And I also really loved law and you know, patents and trademark. And so I was, a lot for a while there, I was trying to decide which I wanted to do when I grew up. I just decided to do both. But one of the first businesses I and that's been a successful one that's grown into the one of the seven or eight figure ones I mentioned Started when I was doing my the joint degree, the JD MBA. And I entered a business competition um, with a few other people. And we all entered in. First year, we took second place. And they, we didn't pursue it any further. But the second year, we re-entered as the same group. And I, you know, I came up with the idea and it was for what was a wearable hydration monitor. This is, you mm-hmm. think of back in the day, this is before the I, I, or Apple Watch or the Fitbit or anything. There wasn't any wearables out there, but I liked running. I was into, and I still like to run into marathons and whatnot. And I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could monitor your hydration level? So I, we came up with that, entered into the competition. I wanted to continue to pursue it, but we were all graduating, going our separate ways. So we actually, I bought them out and continued to pursue that. Now, if you fast forward, that was kind of always my side hustle or side gig. When I graduated, I did go into law. I went and worked for some of the biggest law firms in the nation, some of the ones that you do see the big pricey God, you do see that. And I got to the point where, you know, I did a lot of, com- I worked for a lot of companies, name brand companies, I worked for Amazon and Intel, Red Hat, and a lot of, you know, did their IP work. And I found that the ones that I really loved was, again, almost that startup and small business. And I also kind of felt that they were underserved. So if you're to take, you know, most startups and small businesses, the pricing is going to be difficult. They don't know, understand the process. It's not necessarily very clear and it can be overwhelming. And so I really said, I want to focus what I do in the legal field on startups and small businesses. And that's when I jumped or jumped to where I'm at now with starting my own firm.
1: That is fantastic. Did you did you need any capital to start your business or or was it all just cash flow positive from day one? <laughs>
0: Depends on the business, so I'll I'll just keep it to the two businesses, so we don't go yes. we don't get too far <laughs> to the week. The one that I did with the wearables, so we started. I took a little bit of savings I had bought out or bought out their other partners, and we did it for quite a while, for about a year and a half. We worked on the prototypes, got it up to speed, and we did get to the point that we needed some investors. So we brought on an investor. He came on they or he came on as. Uh, with some of the sales and marketing and branding experience that we lacked, We had a lot of technical experience, but not as much on the sales and marketing. So he offset really well, but he was also a large investor. He was a private individual, but was looking to to invest some of what he made an exit on a previous company. So we brought in that and then about that, or we, then we took that investment grew it to um, a pretty good company. We we're actually ready to getting ready to go for our next round to take the uh, product from prototype into the marketplace. And about that time, we got married up with another company that was doing wearables, but for diabetes monitoring. And we actually pivoted, made an agreement with them, licensed. And then they've grown into a much bigger company that I'm still involved with that it does do or is continually doing or uh, right raises as they continue to take the product to the marketplace. Switching gears on the loss side, that's one where I was able to, I'd, I'd built up enough relationships, clients and clientele, that it was one that I was able to jump in without having to do a fundraise. It was one where I was able to, to be almost cash flow positive. From the, not rich, don't get me wrong, it was still a lot of work and a lot of uh, ability to build a company, but it was one where I, was, I had enough of a foundation as I moved into the company that I was able to do without having to do fundraising
1: that makes so much sense i have seen this over and over again that where if you start a service based company you can get to cash flow positive very very fast you don't need that initial capital however if it is a product based mm-hmm. you do need a lot more backing and funding and connections and networks and it is a lot longer play <laughs> like it can take yeah. years so that makes so much sense and Going back into the onto the law side, what are the type of um, startups they come to you? Are they all hardware based, um, or or a mix, or software and hardware, or?
0: Yeah, so the, that's both. So I've got myself, and then I've also have a few other attorneys that work for my firm as well. So exactly. is it generally we see everything you know on from startups. Startups have great ideas all across the board. So I've worked with startups that so were from a boat anchor. I've worked with them that are for, I'm trying to think, some were for wallets. Somewhere for, and then I've got into ones that are much more technical. So I've worked with some companies that are for augmented reality. I've worked with wearables. I've worked with medical Mm -hmm. device companies. So between myself and the other attorneys, we have a pretty diversity of experience and background. So we tend to work with a lot of startups and small businesses pretty well across the board of all, you know, everything from mechanical, software, and electrical. Myself personally, I've done all of them. I probably have a bit more expertise in electrical and software, just because that was my educational background. But tend to do a, quite a few across the board because there's uh, we we have a pretty diverse experience here.
1: That is, yeah, that is yep quite interesting. You know, the other thing I have often seen is with entrepreneurs and founders and. Even especially people like you who have managed to start multiple um, startups or businesses of your own is that they are really good at selling or pitching their vision, their ideas, their service, their products, um, everything, even though they are not necessarily trained as a salesperson, they are really passionate and, and they're really good at it. How did it like sort of start or what was the first thing that you ever sold?
0: Oh, the first thing I ever sold. I'm sure that there were, like, I did a, a few things growing up in high school, and I'd honestly would have to think back harder because I always was doing stuff. But it, I mean, if I were to go really back in time, I think the first thing I ever created and sold was just a little vending machine that I made that I went around and sold candy to family members and friends and that the school and that. That was the first thing I sold. But I don't, that wasn't really a business as much as the very first thing I sold. But to get re- really into it, it was really probably the first legitimate startup that I did was yep. when I went to that wearables company so that was the yes. one that in or as before I even graduated I started that was one that I, I had enough confidence enough vision I could see the marketplace see where it was what the potential was that was really the first one that I made a legitimate effort to cultivate to grow and to build
1: oh fantastic that yeah, that gives quite a few insights into how you think and and all that. Bringing that back into, like, say, if you were to start now, you know, if you're fresh out of university, school, college, what what would you say? What, what path would you take? You know, I probably wouldn't change my path. Now,
0: if I were to say, hey, let's like say I take away everything I had, you know, I'd probably I'd probably start in the legal side, and it's not necessarily that I don't have much other interest. It's just the one that I probably have the most comfort. So I would say that the one thing that I found, and this across all the businesses, is the ones that I first of all, understand and passionate about and can add something to are the ones that tend to do the best. When when I've tried other ideas or th- things that I think, hey, this is a great idea. Not that I'm, I wasn't as passionate about it and I didn't I didn't like it as much, but I thought it was a great idea. Those are the ones that tend to struggle because I'm not as excited. I don't have as much to add and I really can't. Even though it may be a great opportunity, I personally don't tend to just get involved as much. So i probably pick some, or, you know, legal is one. And to your point, I'm probably, I like to have ownership in the company. Or I like to maintain control or ownership. And I don't know if that's being a control freak or just liking to have, you know, equity or how it is. But if I were to choose it, the, the nice thing about, as you almost mentioned, the, the services side is you can do that without having to take on a, a lot of investor dollars. And the one thing I'll, I'll say is a note or a side note, and I know I'm going all over the place and a little bit of tangents. It's the one thing that's particularly hard in the legal field, or legal field is most states have rules of ethics where you're not able to have non-attorney um, ownership in a company. So it does tend to handicap a lot of uh, people that want to start their own firm because you can't even go out and get investor dollars because they want to have ownership, right? They want to have equity and control yes, in the company they're investing absolutely. in. And yet law firms, the way that the rules of ethics are set up, most states don't even allow you to have investors unless they're also an attorney. So it makes it very much di- or more difficult, but it also gives you almost a barrier to entry that if you know how to navigate it, it makes it so you if you start your own firm, you have that as a leg up on the competition.
1: Oh, 100%. I don't mind. I don't mind obstacles because I know that even everyone else is going to face the same thing. And if I can overcome it, it is, it's is—it's a massive barrier to entry. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, e-commerce where anyone can just drop ship next day and and then you have no barriers to entry. So it is when you have no barriers to entry, it's just race to the bottom pretty much yep. <laughs> just competing on, on price. So yeah, it's um, now coming back onto the, like the the IP side of things, I found personally that when I sold my first business, that having that trademark and having built that trademark over the ten years before that of with branding, advertising, it was highly valuable to have that asset of that trademark to sell. What advice do you have for any startup founders who want to build, a, you know, build a name for themselves, like a brand name for themselves, or? what should they do there as the first thing and yeah
0: yeah so i mean whether it's patents or trademarks don't get to trademarks specifically in a second i would look at if i was a company as to where is the value going to be because you, you almost mentioned there's a lot of different companies And some are very much technology-driven, meaning they have a lot of investment in technology. And others are even a dropship company or a brand company or services company. They may be just the opposite. They operate almost entirely on brand, and that's what it is. So I think before you decide whether you go for patents or trademarks or whatever, you need to say, what is the company? Where is the value? Is it? The product we're making is it the device we're selling is it the technology we're creating is it the brand we're doing and then once you identify which one you do then that's where you invest your money for intellectual property is based on which one is the most important to protect. Sometimes they're both. Sometimes you have you yes. think of Apple because I mean if I don't think of Apple they have great technology they also have done a phenomenal job of branding. So to yes, them they both have them both. It, yes.
1: But
0: they have both and yet other other hand you think of Starbucks. You know, do they really have, maybe they have a little bit better coffee or donuts or muffins or whatnot, but really it's a <laughs> lot of de- 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you're to think of, but why do people know Starbucks it's, it's because they have a very good brand that a lot of people know are same with M&Ms, you know, lots mm. of different types of candy bars. Most of it's not necessarily proprietary, you know, it's yep. not patented. But they have a very good brand. That when you walk in the store, do you want the M and M's or do you want the knockoffs or something you haven't heard of? You want the M and M's. So when I'm looking at which one to, how you go about protecting it is identifying where's the value of your company and then going about protecting it. Because, and I would say, you know, just to add on to that. There's a couple motivations for why you protect it. One is yeah. to stop competitors and give you a competitive advantage. And then another one is it is it, it's actually an asset of your company. So as you mentioned, yes. when you go to exit or if you're to sell off your company, when you go to, when somebody else outside of you is coming in, they're going to say, what are the assets of your company? Where is the value at? And it may be, for instance, it may be the product you develop It may be the database of users or the reoccurring revenue or the revenue model. It may be the brand loyalty, whatever it is. And so it actually creates that asset in your company that you can sell off or it's investable or some of those as well.
1: Oh, 100% cannot agree more. And that's why, you know, it's like all the, the, I mean... I mean, even for, I know for Nike, they do a lot of patents and stuff, but you know, how valuable is the Nike brand name? So many, they have paid hundreds of millions to athletes um, every, or in billions every year to just promote that brand name. Brand name is everything for, for some, but whereas if it's highly technical, if it's a medical device, then... And as you said, you know, patent makes sense. And for some like Apple, both of them make sense. <laughs> so no, that is very, very super good advice. Is there any mistakes you see um, startups making that come to you on an ongoing basis? And what are those? What How can they avoid those?
0: <laughs> yeah, we could probably have a whole podcast episode on those. But we'll <laughs> get the highlights on there. Yes. Oh. One of the ones probably that I see the most, I'll give you a two. One is that they try and DIY and and I fully get it that, you know, as a startup, as a small business, you only have so much budget. You only have so many things. And so you, you do, you do it yourself. You look it up on YouTube, you Google it or whatnot, and you you do a DIY project. The problem is, is oftentimes it's, they, it gives you a couple problems is it gives you a false sense of security in the sense you didn't do it right it wasn't done properly you don't know what you're doing and so you have a false sense of security now you're protected now you have that asset when in reality you don't or you, it's much different than what you think it is and then to go in if it can even be fixed when you go into an attorney it's a lot times more expensive to do so to fix the problem than it is to do it right in the first place so that's kind of one that's a natural tendency to do and I get it and I like to DIY projects myself but but it's one where it can be a lot of times, especially if you don't know what you're doing, can create more problems and solutions. The other one that I'd hit on is, and they kind of go hand in glove, but one of the issues that a lot of companies, especially when you get startups and small businesses, Is they don't want to go talk to an attorney because they think an attorney will be inexpensive, right? And so they wait and they wait and they wait because, hey, you know, I don't even know if I need a patent or a trademark. So I'd rather not go spend, uh, you know, several hundred dollars to have an attorney just tell me I don't need this. I'd rather just not do it. And the problem is, is they wait so long that now they've closed their window. So like, for instance, on patents, there's deadlines. After you put it in the public, you only have one year within which to pursue a patent. So first time you introduce in the public, if you wait more than a year, it becomes public domain that anybody can use it. But they wait so long that they've, you know, they've been selling it for a year or two. They come into our office and say, now I'd like to get a patent. And we have that uncomfortable discussion of, well, a lot of what you want to patent can't be patented. And then we have to try and figure out, is there anything that can be patented and navigate? And kind of on the trademark side, kind of the same thing. You build a brand for 10 years, you think, okay, we find we should probably now do something about it. But over those 10 years, other people have started using the same or similar brands. And now you get to find, come to find out somebody's already trademarked the brand and you have a big problem. You're having to rebrand or you're having to go get a license or acquire the other company because you didn't trademark it. Somebody else trademarked it in the meantime. So those are probably the two is sometimes DIY, sometimes waiting too long and before you actually get going or, and you know a lot of times a lot of good attorneys and ourselves included and i'm not just plugging our, our my firm myself is there a lot of attorneys are willing to do free consultations if you can find a, a good attorney they'll free do a free strategy session or consultation they'll at least give you the idea and like i said when i sit down with a company a lot of times they'll say here's what I do. And I may not, I'll, sometimes I'll say, I wouldn't go for a patent for a year or two until you reach these tra- or these, you know, milestones. Or yes, you would want a trademark, but you probably want to be a bit farther along, but they'll at least help you if they're a good attorney, they'll help you get the kind of that roadmap as to when you should start consider these, when you should plan into it and help you avoid a lot of those issues.
1: That is so true. It's just that sometimes I have in fact said no to people to not think about patents because they have just come to, I mean, I talk with a lot of founders. They just have an idea. They have no execution. They have they have not built the product yet. They have, I mean, let alone putting it out in, in, in the public because they're just going on assumptions that once they'll build it, people will come and buy it. So I say like, at least build a prototype, build something before you go and patent it to just see what, issues might come up with you mm-hmm. might come up with so yeah i don't know if i am giving the right advice but that's what that i do it, it
0: depends on the, the type of industry you're in so some some points I, or i i completely agree so if you're let's say you're in a physical device product because a lot of times as you build it you'll figure it things you'll overcome obstacles or hurdles yes and things you, you didn't anticipate and oftentimes those are the most patentable parts in the sense yes. that a lot of times the hurdles you're having to overcome are the same ones that anybody else would have to overcome. And so doing that prototype or that quick proof of concept can be, can be a great one. On the other hand, let's take software as an example software. It may be a, a, you know, it may be a, a longer or time where you can very well to find out what you want the software to do, but it takes a long time to build it, right? It may take a year to build it. Yep. You don't necessarily need to wait till the whole software is built before you go and get a patent. So I, it kind of depends a little bit on the industry. The other one that I would look at is how competitive is the industry, right? So if you're in a, an industry that's incredibly competitive, lots of people are innovating in, doing mm. a lot of things, then you may not want to wait as long you may not want to wait till you've done spent a year or two manufacturing or producing it because if a lot of other people are working on it, they may come up with it earlier than you, or they may patent it earlier than you because it's so competitive. And yet, if you're saying, "Hey, we're doing something that's not a very competitive industry, or it's something that we're not as worried about competitors coming in or doing something new or unique," then you may want you could hold off. So, I think it kind of depends on the industry and the type of product as to when you, or how long you wait.
1: That is very very true i completely agree with that you know it's just because i often read online that you know that patents are no longer protectable or that they don't mean a lot um, not, not trademarks uh, but about more so about patents especially in software you know just like the, like google wasn't the last or the first search engine facebook isn't the last or the first social network and that like Uber isn't the last ride sharing. Every city around the world have their own two or three competitors of ride sharing and some most of them will die off 'cause just they don't have the scale and the funding of of Uber or Lyft or any of the big big names. So it's mm. like, does it even matter for those sort of projects to even patent? Because
0: the, funny, all, the reason i laugh is because the funny thing is is all three of those companies have huge ip portfolios or patent they portfolio. do
1: they do have yes and
0: so but you know to your point are you can use google you can use bing you can use probably i don't know there's i know there's DuckDuckGo and there's a few others yes and yet how many people do you use those by far the largest is google, google and so yes. what they have done and you know so on the software side you know that you search engine, maybe you can't do anything new or creative, but let's say you come up with a great way to get the information that people want so you get the best search results. Well, that can give you a very large competitive advantage. Why do you go to Google? It's because a lot of times you get better search results than some of the other ones. And so that's what they protect, right? So it may not be that they protect the whole idea of a search engine, but how they get those search results. Or you take Uber as an example. You also have Lyft. I think you have on the go. And I know there's a few other ones and I don't there's remember. There's
1: so all many uh, globally. There's hundreds globally, hundreds, if not thousands. Yes. But how, many of them
0: do you, how many of them do you know, even for the product side, why are not all of them as competitive? Why aren't all we using? And it's a lot of times, one time that, you know, if you go back to Google, but kind of Uber as well, as they do a lot of times user interface, how the user interacts and they'll get patents yes. on that. So if you think of, you know, one of my favorite examples, if you take the YouTube example, you, and if you have a newer phone, you can watch YouTube videos, right? And if yeah. you click out of it, then it makes a little window that you can keep watching as you do other things on your phone. Yeah. Well, they patented that because now, you know, it's software and it's, but it's one that everybody wants to now use, right? It's a great feature that applies so many. Now I can have a little window that I watch or listen to the video or I watch or whatever while I'm responding to email or anything else. And so they say, where are features they want? So I think there is a misnomer that software can't, you know, they can't be patented or it's, it's not that I think where it gets into trouble is if you just try and take a very high level or overarching idea of software to your point. If I just want to go and get a patent on a search engine, not going to happen.
1: Not going to patent, happen. Go yes. A,
0: if I want to get a uh, patent on a bidding system that I can sell products on I- eBay, you can't, you know, those are already done and they're already out there, but if you can find something in software that really sets you apart it's still as is, is a fruitful field as all the other ones.
1: That is a very interesting point. So they might be patenting just a part of their, one of their algorithm or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they would be protecting that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just that uh, a lot of the startups are still in an extremely early stage that mm-hmm. they they don't have anything as unique. In, and they don't have, because a lot of these things are driven by scale whether it is Uber or YouTube or um, Facebook or Google or any, any of these things. And it's only when you get that scale, you can build some of these things, unfortunately. so So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that to a point. Although you have so many so many new things, I'd say that startups oftentimes are better able to neg- navigate that than big businesses in the sense that once you reach a big enough level with the company, they start to be too risk adverse. I mean, they don't want Absolutely. to take risks. They don't want it, and startups are saying, "Hey, we we have to take risks; otherwise, we're never going to make it." So you take it as an example: Snapchat versus um, you know Facebook. Snapchat came along well after they were a startup for a long time, very small company, and they but they had some uniqueness that was different than what Facebook was doing, and they were able to compete. So I think there's still room to, to navigate. But oh, I think 100%. to your point, but I think to your point, there is some that they they do have some scale; they can you know come up with a lot of ideas versus when you're a startup, you have to be a lot more targeted.
1: So that is really good advice for pretty much any startup and and founder. Um, Coming towards the um, end of the show, I have these three questions that I ask. First one is, what is the one book that you recommend people or a book that you are reading right now?
0: I'll answer both of those. So the one that I'm reading right now, it's, I'd have to honestly look up the name of it. It's, I think it's the Anything Anything Store. It's basically the autobiography of the story of Amazon and Amazon.com and how they built that. It's been a really one, I'd have to look up the exact name because I've been reading it for a little while. So a fairly lengthy book, but I think it's the Anything Store. And I love that one. Two other books and I'll recommend it. I know you only asked for one, but I'll give you that's, more. Let's go um, for it.
1: I'll put the links in the description. All, all the things you're saying, including your com- brand, company and all are, that. Yeah.
0: One I really enjoyed, and I tend to like business books or talking about startups and small business. So most of those are the type, type I end up reading. One I really enjoyed was called That Will Never Work. And it's the, uh, start, or the story of Netflix and how really you had the founder that they were making an exit off of a different company. And it was for Mark Randolph, which everybody knows, or most people know Steve Hastings is a, a person with Netflix. Mark Randolph was actually the original founder. And it talks about him actually pitching the idea of what would Netflix, and this was back in the day when Netflix would, you know, mail DVDs as opposed to streaming. Mm-hmm. And Mark Randolph pitched it to Steve Hastings, and he said, that will never work. And that's kind of the genesis of the book, which is, it's a really interesting kind of walk you through the early days of Netflix. The last one, I won't give as much of a conversation. I I also enjoy a book called Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Talks a lot about the mixture of leadership and entrepreneurship and how those go together.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's got very popular YouTube channel, (laughs) Dave Ramsey. Everyone knows him in the entrepreneurship circles. The second one, what is one podcast that you recommend?
0: All right, so one I'll recommend to I keep, I keep giving you more Go than go, go ahead, go ahead. I should not say one. It's just one podcast. So if I was in the legal field, you know, yes. uh, if you're any type of a law firm and it doesn't have to be IP or patents or trademarks related, I like Profit with Law. It's a smaller one, but it's growing and I I'm not I have been a guest on that one, but I love it. I actually have all the attorneys listen to it each week. And we actually talk about each episode because there's enough insight in there that it really is insightful for how to market and grow your law firm. So that's one good one. The other one that both me and my son love to listen to um, is called business Wars, And it kind of takes business wars of two kind of head to head competition between two different companies and how they competed against each other. So that one I love as well.
1: That is such a cool concept. I will have to check that one out. <laughs> And I'll
0: give you my favorite one of the fun ones that my son loves the one that's about M&M's versus Mars versus Hershey, and that he loved that because it was candy. The one that I thought was the most interesting was Kellogg's versus General Mills and how cereal came about. So it's some, it's some
1: pretty fun ones. Yeah, I have heard the Kellogg's and the cereal story. Very interesting. <laughs> if you had unlimited time and money and resources, what would you build or what would you work on? All right.
0: Well, I gotta be all right. I'll give you my idea at a very high level because I still someday someday may want to work on it, but it's so I have so many things before it that I don't know if I'll ever get there. But for the audience out there, I've already patented it, so you don't need to you don't want to go after it otherwise. <laughs> the one that I thought was cool is basically if I were to take, you know, I've got a whole bunch of other companies, but if I had unlimited funds, let's say I I finished up all my other projects I'm working on and just had more free time than I knew what to do with. One that I would like to build is what's called crowdsourcing, but for customer service. So basically takes the idea what kind of Uber has done for ride sharing, yes. but it takes it for customer service. Because a lot of companies, I hate when I call customer service and they give me the auto dialer that takes me 10 minutes. To oh, get through all I hate different...
1: that. Yes. And then
0: not only that, I get to the end and they tell me that I need to leave a message or I, need, I call the wrong number, I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> and so... A, but the reason they do that is it's so expensive you know to have yes. somebody man the phones all the time is hard especially if you're a startup or a small business so my idea is taking people that are aren't necessarily customer service representatives but let's say you know the iPhone very well and you've you just are you know tech or tech geek that loves the iPhone and you could help most people troubleshoot their phone the idea is to then have you do basically kind of on-demand your customer service representative when you have a few minutes and you want to answer some questions and do that as crowdsourcing so that would be the idea if I ever have enough time, money, effort, and I have enough free time that I someday pursue. But I've already patented it, so nobody gets to go steal it.
1: (laughs) No, that's good. That's a really interesting idea. Best of luck for that. And finally, where do people find you? Is it the Miller IPL, your website, or or other places do you connect with people as well?
0: So they can, I'll give you a few so that people can choose one makes sense. So Miller IPL is a great place to come out, find you know, find out about the firm. They can find out all of our flat fee prices. We do incredibly transparent flat fees, easy to understand. Um, you can also go onto the website and schedule a free strategy session with myself or other attorneys at the firm. So that's the first one. The second one, if you just want to do a free strategy session, you can just go to freestrategymeeting.com. It takes you right to a, a calendar. You can grab some time on my calendar and I'm happy to help. If you want to just reach out to me and chat or bounce any ideas off of the third URL I'll give you is meetdevin.com. And that one you can just grab some time on my calendar to chat about whatever. So those are the three websites. The other two places you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm fairly active there. It would just be under Devin Miller. And I think if you just do like Devin Miller patent attorney, I'll come up. And if not Devin Miller patent attorney, Utah or something of that nature. And then the last one I also do a podcast. It's kind of a a similar flavor to yours, but a bit different. (laughs) And it kind of takes a journey of inventors. And if you want to check out Inventive Journey, that's the last one. So all of the above are great ways to reach me. And I think uh, depending on how you want to connect up with me, choose whichever one works.
1: Fantastic. That has been super helpful and very, very insightful when it comes to protecting your idea, protecting your brand name, or going and getting a patent if you have a unique process or a system around your product or service. So thank you once again. Thank you, Devin, for coming on the show. Look forward to following your journey of how you continue to help startups. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank
1: you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.